Acts chapter 9, we're going to read verse 1 down through verse 19. If you have your Bible, it should say the conversion of Saul. It reads, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple of Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias! And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise, and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was encouraged. May this word of the Lord unite us as a church and make us bold as missionaries. You may be seated. Thank you. Hey, good morning. Happy Easter. It is great to see you. Uh, my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here and part of our teaching team. And especially if this is your first time, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming. Uh, what a cool thing that we can be together and celebrate this uh, day together. Uh, now, normally what we do most Easters is, you know, we typically have books of the Bible that we're teaching through, but then we kind of take a break on Easter and we do something different. We just do kind of a standalone message about Easter. And my oldest daughter uh, saw that we were doing Acts and said, well, why are we doing Acts? And the reason we're doing Acts, the reason we're just continuing in our series is because it happens that the part we hit today is a perfect thing to do on Easter. Because what it is, is it's talking about this amazing transformation that happens when a person meets Jesus. It reminds me of a story that I saw in the, my news, uh, kind of just, I get news like you all do, a lot of different places, and you see the headlines and you go, eh, maybe I'll read it, maybe I won't. I saw this article the other day and I thought, this, I got to read this. Here, here was the headline. The jihadi who turned to Jesus. Like, you may not even be a Christian, you go, I'd like to read about that. That's interesting. And, and it's that powerful of a change that we see happening here in this particular story that we read just a moment ago. In fact, even if you haven't been with us through the book of Acts, it's okay that you're here today because this, uh, this section, this story, really represents this key turning point. And in fact, if you wanted to join us uh, through the rest of our series, you could continue to kind of get where we're at because uh, before this, the church uh, the, of Jesus Christ is kind of small, 
relatively speaking. It's very local in Jerusalem. And after this, it's going to start going all over the world. And it happens through the transformation of this one person named Saul. Now, throughout this story, he's named Saul. But afterward, he's had such a significant change. His identity is so transformed that he actually begins to go by the name Paul. So I'm probably going to use both names interchangeably if you're like, well, which is he talking about? It's the same person. He, 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 in this story, he's Saul. He becomes the Apostle Paul. He goes from being a person who, as it said at the beginning of the story, is breathing out murderous threats against the church. He's looking for permission to arrest people. He's overseeing the execution of some Christians. He is, in a sense, a kind of Jewish jihadi. And here he meets Jesus, and instead of being an opponent of Christianity, he turns into the main proponent of Christianity, the main champion of it. The gospel spreads through his work. How did that happen? See, that, it, this is the perfect story to look at on Easter because it happened by experiencing the risen Jesus. In fact, that's kind of the big idea today is that Saul was changed by experiencing the risen Jesus. That's what makes the turning point in this book. That's what makes the turning point in history. We are here today, continents away from Jerusalem. The gospel has reached us. We're thousands of years later. We're celebrating because Saul was changed by experiencing the risen Jesus. Have you experienced the risen Jesus? Not just do you know that Jesus rose from the dead, but, but have you experienced it? Now, there, there's some language that sometimes people will use to describe what happens when you experience Jesus. Uh, one, one of the most famous ways that this is sort of uh, understood is in the song Amazing Grace. A lot of you know the song Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Blind, but now I see. Why do we use that kind of language to describe the experience of being changed by Jesus. It's because that language is used over and over and over in the Bible. And in fact, isn't it fascinating that that's what happens here? When Saul experiences the risen Jesus, and get this, he didn't experience an idea, he didn't experience a concept, he didn't experience a principle or a philosophy, he experienced a person. Did you see that in Acts chapter 9 verse 4? Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus is risen. Jesus is a person. And Saul experienced him. And when he did, did you see how it described what God did? God made it where he couldn't see. Now, this wasn't punitive. This wasn't a punishment. This was just what God, what God did to allow him to see something that otherwise he probably wasn't going to be able to understand. Here's what it said in Acts chapter 9, verse 8. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. Isn't that fascinating? He experiences Jesus. He sees the light. He hears the sound. And his eyes were opened, but he saw nothing. Here's what God did. God allowed him to see what had been true of him, which was that he, though his eyes were opened, was blind. Can you see? I mean, can you really see? 
Or is it that your eyes are open, but you don't see anything? See, see, that's the condition of all of us apart from Jesus. Our eyes are open, but we can't really see. And the reason why the Bible uses this language so much, and the reason why we sing about it in songs like Amazing Grace, it, it actually is because at the root of our sin is blindness. I don't know what you think like the greatest inventions are. We could probably have an interesting conversation. We said, hey, what do you think are the best inventions of all time? And, and I always laugh whenever someone says, it's better than sliced bread, I think. That must have been really earth-shattering when that came out, sliced bread. I, I don't know how, like, wow, I guess that was incredible or something. But, but to me, the, the, the invention that I really could not function without are corrective lenses. I see a lot of heads nodding, yeah. Yeah, without glasses, without contacts, I, I couldn't function. I have eyesight that's somewhere like probably 2,400. Um, some of you are like, well, I have it worse. Well, congratulations, okay? You win, that's fine. But, but it's bad, right? So what, what I would see at 20 feet is like what a person with good eyesight would see at 400 feet, right? It's really bad eyesight. Like I couldn't function, I couldn't drive, I couldn't work, I couldn't do anything without corrective lenses. It, and, and what's going on there, I'm, I'm very nearsighted, and it's because my cornea, which is at the front of my eye, which is the thing that kind of receives the light that comes in, there's a distortion in my cornea. And that distortion makes it that when the, my brain processes things, it can see images, but not really. And do you know that's what sin has done to you and me? God made us seeing. God made us knowing him. Right? Our, our first parents, Adam and Eve, God made them in his image, seeing him, knowing him, walking with him in the cool of the day, having harmony and relationship with him and with each other, being comfortable in their own skin. In fact, it says there that they were naked and felt no shame. Right? They, they, I don't, I don't want to be around people today that feel naked and no shame. Right? And, and, and that's how they felt because they were just made in God's image without sin. But then sin comes into the world through their disobedience to God in Genesis 3 where God had told them, hey, there's this one tree that you're not supposed to eat from and the serpent comes and tempts them. And I want you to, I want you to see how the serpent describes what will happen if they do what they really want rather than what God told them. Look at what the serpent says. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, here's what the serpent said. The serpent said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think you can see, but in fact, you can't really. And God, you can't trust him. He's told you not to eat of that fruit, because he knows if you eat that fruit, your eyes will truly be opened. God doesn't want that, because you can't trust him. And, and you know what? That's been the promise of sin ever since. If you just have me, if you just go there, if you just do what you want to do, then you'll be fulfilled, then you'll be enlightened, then you'll have everything, then you'll see. You can't trust God. She takes the bait. Here's what it says in the next verse. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. The promise of sin. Oh, you'll really see. You'll really be enlightened. You'll really have all the things you want. 
And she thought, wow, it looked good. I see it. It's a delight to the eyes. Was it true? Was the serpent telling the truth when he said, when you eat it, your eyes will be opened? Well, it's a trick question. Here's what it says in the next verse. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Do you get what that's saying? It's saying before, they were comfortable in their own skin. They were naked and unashamed. And now, yeah, their eyes are open, but now their eyes are open to see how broken they are. Now their eyes are open to see how the promise of sin didn't pay off. Now their eyes are open to see how I need to cover myself because I'm ashamed and I'm guilty and I'm afraid. Listen, all of us without Christ think our eyes are open. And you're pursuing your career going, oh, if I just, if I just have that, then I'll really see what life's all about. And the more you get of it, the more you realize yeah, it's just a career. Some of you, you think, oh, if I just have my family, if, if just my family could be exactly the way that I dream and that I imagine and that I Instagram. And, and, and here's the reality, it isn't. But even in those rare moments when it is, you go, gosh, that was short. Man, that didn't last. Some of us, we pursue a relationship or we pursue an idea or we pursue all kinds of things thinking, if I just do what I want to do, then I'll really see. Some of us even think, I'll pursue religion. That's what Saul was doing. He thought he was doing God a favor. He thought he was being a, a blessing to God by getting rid of all these Christians. And in fact, what God had to show him was, Saul, you can't see at all. And this theme, it just goes over and over and over in the scripture. In fact, one of my favorite places is in Mark chapter 10. In the gospel of Mark, all the people that are interacting with Jesus are trying to figure out, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Wow, did you see those miracles? Did you hear his teaching? Do you see his authority? Nobody speaks like this. Who is this man? And no one, even the disciples, are confused about who Jesus is. And then you get to chapter 10, and there's a man on the side of the road, blind Bartimaeus. And he's shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what you realize is that only the blind man can see. Can you see Jesus? Do you know that your life will only truly be found in him? Do you know that the joy and that the hopes and that the dreams that you just constantly have thwarted by this broken, sinful world, everything that is in those longings is found in Jesus? Do you know that the shame and that the guilt and the fear that makes you never comfortable in your own skin and always posturing and always pretending and always putting on a mask, do you know that freedom from that can be found by seeing Jesus? See, when, when, when that gospel hits your heart, you go from lost to found. You go from blind to seeing. Here's what it said about the Apostle Paul. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes 
and he regained his sight. That's what it is to come to Christ. It's to go from darkness to light. It's to go from blindness to sight. It's to go from death to life. It's to go to sorrow from joy. It's to go from, from mourning to dancing. It's, it's a total transformation. Have you had that? See, that's what Jesus offers in the gospel. That's what we're going to celebrate in just a few moments. Some of you, as you watch these baptisms and as you hear the stories that are told, you might be tempted to think that these stories are people saying, hey, look at me, I've really cleaned myself up. But they're not. They're stories of people who are saying, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, who saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we celebrate baptism. Because God makes us new and gives us sight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the freedom and the joy and the grace and the life and the light and the sight that comes through knowing Jesus. God, we thank you for the life of Saul, who became your apostle. We thank you for the way that he shared the gospel around the world. We thank you that that gospel has reached us, and for many of us that it's changed us and transformed us. But God, for those who right now realize that they are blind, and they realize that they are dead, every, everything they've pursued has just been a dead end. In, in their pursuit of pleasure, they lost joy. God, would you help them to see this morning? Would you open the eyes of their heart to be able to see the majesty and the glory of Jesus? God, would they admit that they're a sinner? Would they admit that they need you? Would they acknowledge that you are their only hope? God, thank you for the men and women and the students who will be baptized this morning. God, I pray that uh, as we hear their stories, we would be so encouraged at how you change us and make us new. And you did it all because Christ is risen. We pray in his name. Amen.